From MTV News, this is The Stakes, where we're all taking apple cider vinegar shots to stave off the sickness that is American politics. I'm Jamil Smith, Senior National Correspondent here at MTV News. If you ever fly into New York City, especially LaGuardia Airport, you'll likely see Rikers Island. It's home to the city's main jail complex and has a reputation as one of America's worst correctional facilities. It is also where Khalif Browder spent more than 1,000 days of his life, starting when he was just 16 years old. Back in 2010, Browder was arrested while walking home in the Bronx. He was accused of stealing a backpack. Then he was sent to Rikers and remained there for three years, about two of which were in solitary confinement, all while being abused by other detainees and correctional officers. He never got a trial. If I just say that I did it, nothing's going to be done about it. I didn't do it. No justice is served. Nobody hears nothing at all. I had to fight. It was Rikers where Browder first tried to kill himself. First in 2012, then six months after he left Rikers. He entered psychiatric care and later went on to Bronx Community College. His powerful story attracted the attention of politicians and celebrities like Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, New York's mayor Bill de Blasio, Jay-Z, and Rosie O'Donnell. But Browder hanged himself in the summer of 2015. He was 22 years old. The family's wrongful death lawsuit was put on hold 16 months later when his mother, Vanita, died of what many have called a broken heart. I wanted to know more about Browder's story, so I spoke with his siblings, Nicole and Akeem. Akeem had been an inmate at Rikers when he was a teenager and later worked there as an engineer, and he's now the founder of the campaign to shut down Rikers. We talked before Spike Network's new six-part documentary series, Time, the Khalif Browder Story, premiered on March 1st. Spike and MTV, full disclosure, are both Viacom companies. As soon as I sat down with Nicole and Akeem, the first thing I wanted to know was, what kind of a guy was Khalif Browder? Khalif, besides saying the average, he's a normal kid, I mean... Mm -hmm. He was he was definitely a kid that was active. Like he he had a six pack, eight pack almost. Like because we were, we were always working out. We thought we were Dragon Ball characters. <laughs> he, he had a, he had what's in our and I would say our meaning in, in our uh, demographic, our average lifestyle. Where I mean we're kids from the Bronx and we didn't have like a, we had a sheltered life because my mom we had so many kids in the house. My mom forced to care thirty two kids. Mm-hmm. And so uh, wow. we had so many kids in the house that we became our own friends. Like we didn't have to have friends on the street. We played with each other. Right. And in the house. In the house. Yeah. When I was exactly, I would say maybe 11 years old, not 11, I'm sorry, uh, maybe four or five years old. I do remember when Khalif came home from the hospital and I was upset because I thought I was getting a sister. And when I noticed I wasn't <laughs> getting a sister, I kind of felt a little angry, but I couldn't, you know, I just had to accept it because he was my, you know, brother now. And growing up, he um, was annoying like any other sibling. He had this thing called Thriller. He hated the Thriller, <laughs> the Thriller video. So whenever you turned it on, yep. he would start screaming, right? Yo, and I, he, I know that feeling. I had the same <laughs> feeling when I was eight years old. 
<laughs> when it came out. And he would, I'm telling you, scream and cry to the point. I remember Akeem actually, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, he actually put the jacket in a closet <laughs> and started moving it and was scaring him. But we all thought it was hilarious. You know, he was a normal kid and stuff. I mean, he got on my nerves. He, you know, was silly a lot. He had an ugly laugh. Oh, oh my yes. God. <laughs> and he'll look at you. See, he had big beady eyes, right? Yep. Right. And they get wider and wider. <laughs> my mom actually gave us, gave them, not us, not all of us, because my three younger brothers, they had heads. We all, <laughs> yes. we all have heads. <laughs> but Khalif was peanut head. <laughs> Kamal was big head. And Dion was spud <laughs> yes it's true he was held for a thousand days on rikers island what third degree robbery for you know stealing a backpack and the try allegedly allegedly was never proven because there was no trial trial never happened what happened what was where did the system break down yeah, that was a, that's a good phrase. Where did it break down? To tell you the truth, it broke down from day one. I mean, there's a there's a construct of things that happens when a complaint is made. Now, officers they are obligated to make an arrest when a complaint is made. First, I'm gonna start from the beginning. That in the beginning. When he first was arrested, my mom was really worried. And I would tell her, and I didn't believe that he would stay in there as long as, oh, come on, you, you just don't know. Right. And we, I told her, don't worry, he's going to get out. Don't worry about it. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. That's how the Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution begins. Yet in New York State, that right isn't always guaranteed. There's something called the ready rule, which says that a trial doesn't have to begin within six months to avoid the dismissal of a case. Instead, the prosecution just has to claim to be ready to start the trial. Well, in Browder's case, the prosecutor claimed this again and again and again, restarting that six-month clock over and over. That's a big reason why he was there for more than 1,000 days. We're going through the bail, which was 3,000. All these things, no matter how you put it, it's a backpack. We're doing all this over a backpack. Mm. Okay? Yep. It wasn't People, even violently taken. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't no assault. Or it wasn't no, third degree. you know, smack. It wasn't anything. You know what happened? It's over a backpack. Kali was very strong-minded. He, didn't, he was never a follower, even before he went to jail. He didn't join a gang. He fought every single time and got jumped every single time. And a lot of the SEALs there did not like that. They like when you kiss up to them. Eventually, I guess, he was hungry and he wanted some food. And they told him to get back in his cell. He didn't listen. And he was like, no, I'm hungry. So I guess that, you know, that erupted into a big argument. And they put him in solitary. Oh, they beat him first. They beat, yeah, beat him they first. They brought him in his cell off camera and beat him beat him first put him in a cell not not officers not all no it was depths captains lieutenants yep. and officers yep we have video mm. so they put him after the beating put him in the cell 
So you're thinking, okay, I'm going to get a couple of days in here. This sucks. It don't matter. Two, three days. From that point on, the nightmares begin. He came home when he used to, um, he used to cut himself. He would keep it to himself. And then Dion would see it or my mom or Akeem, like, the hell are you doing? And what would he say? <sighs> Nothing. I remember one time I came over there to visit. I live in New Jersey now. And before, when, when he did come home, I was living upstate New York. And I just moved to Jersey later on. And I went to her house. Now, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him. He was released maybe two months after. And I came over there. And I went in and I said, I went inside my mom's house. And I said, Ma, well, you know, how's everything? She goes, everything. And I look over. And in front of my house, we have a driveway. Right. He's doing, he's walking in a box. That's what he did in Rikers. He walked in his cell room in a box, swinging his arms left to right, walking in a box from corner to corner to corner, like a rec- like a um, square. Right. In his room, he did the same thing. And then I said, Ma, what, what the hell is he doing? She said, Nicole, that's what he did in Rikers. I laughed at first because I'm like, why is he being silly for? You know what I'm saying? But I didn't, you know, I was being naive. And I, and I and instantly when she told me that, I felt a lot of empathy. I was like, oh, my goodness. Just imagine, just close your eyes and sit there thinking about what you do in a place where you can't close your eyes and imagine. You can't even close your eyes to sleep because you have to watch your back at all points. But even in solitary confinement, you can't even close your eyes because like I think Van Jones, um, who's a part of the uh, documentary, like he said, you're even if you close your eyes, you're still living in a hell. You're listening to MTV's The Stakes. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to The Stakes. We left off learning about the three years that Khalif Browder spent in jail at Rikers Island. After his suicide, the Browder family started looking for ways to make changes. Here's Akeem. Campaign to shut down Rikers was built off a grassroots organization. Actually, we started the Black Lives Matter uh, in New York City Mm -hmm. and uh, in the abolition form. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we're trying to do is, yes, it sounds blatant that we're trying to shut down Rikers, but we're getting the word out there that, one, Rikers is a jail, not a prison. Two different words because it has different meanings. What are the different meanings? The different meanings between jails, one, you are innocent until proven guilty while you're in jail. But a, j- a prison is when you were convicted of, of the whatever allege or uh, allegation. Right. And you're serving time in an upstate facility. More than 80 percent of the detainees at Rikers Island are either black or Hispanic. Racism is just the first of seven reasons why Akeem Browder wants Rikers closed. His campaign to shut down Rikers alleges that it, quote, punishes poor people, breeds physical and sexual violence, abuses children and people with mental illness, and is a waste of public spending. Rikers, the campaign says, acts as a prison, not a jail. The last reason on their list? Rikers is a torture chamber. Everybody says, oh, United States of America, I want to go there. But we have the most fucked up prison system, jail system, justice system. My mom's death came just October of last last year. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to do something or she wanted to solve Khalid's case before she passed. She had a heart, a bad heart. 
she was only operating with 19%, 19% of her heart working because of the heart she attack she endured. She actually found out two weeks before that she had 19%. Yes. Two weeks later. And what happens mm-hmm. is they knew she was going to pass, didn't think that, what, the family's going to pick it up or that we're going to, like, go after it even harder. You let my mom die. And what they do is, I mean, it's a game. We can't afford attorney after attorney after attorney. We don't have the money. We didn't even have the money to bail them out, right? Right. So how are we going to afford attorney after attorney? And if we don't keep the name of Khalif alive, I got to say, once it starts dying, that's when they start playing more games because they're like, oh, shoot, no one's listening now. The story, we can finally wipe our foreheads. They didn't expect this documentary, I'll tell you that. They didn't expect it. Wait until it comes out and they get to see it. Yeah. What have you and your family tried to do to heal? after Khalif's death, after your mother's death? Losing Khalif was hard. Losing my mom was even harder. That's, that to me, losing my mom. Losing Khalif, I was angry. I went to the streets, I marched, I protested, I rallied, I got arrested 11 times that year that he that, that after he passed. And from marching or even just driving on the street, 11 times, and when you, but when my mom passed, I felt like I, I lost everything. Our mom held everything together, every single thing together. The family, the values, she was there for us. No matter what, we told her every single thing. If we argued with her, she never held a chip on her shoulder. She came back, and we still were best friends. You could argue in the morning and be right on my mom's bed (laughs) that evening watching a movie, laughing it up. (laughs) That's family, though. And you know what? You're right. That's family. Yep. So now they knew they, they, they did wrong by the youngest kid in our family. They did wrong by me years ago, but they did wrong by the youngest kid in our family and then took the mother. You broke the head of the house and then left us to pick up the pieces on our own. We still now need counseling. I mean, fortunately, I went through, uh, I went through some counseling and I still, December of last year, I, I tried to commit suicide. Not that I'm proud of it, but depression is real you lost your mom and yet everyone wants a piece of you like hey can you come up and do this can you speak on this can you appear here can we speak to you on this and it's great it gets the word out but at the end of the day what we're doing is reliving it every day to tell our brother's story so that yeah so other people can hear it and be inspired to not take a plea this this is why we're here now we don't want this to happen again he's in heaven now he's away from all the evil we're living in a hell. He's in a paradise. So we have to continue and fight for him and fight for what's right and get justice. I want to thank you both for not only bringing this issue to light, but also to, you know, for, you know, inviting us into your home. Thank in a way. you. And you uh, I know it's not easy to relive this, so. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you for having us, too. Thank you. That was Khalif's sister and brother, Nicole and Akeem Browder. The six-part documentary series, Time, the Khalif Browder Story, executive produced by Jay-Z, is on the Spike Network and available to watch now. We'll be back after this quick break.
If you enjoyed this show, please rate us and review us on iTunes to help everyone else find us. Join the conversation about the episode on Twitter at MTV Podcasts and see some behind the scenes photos on Instagram at MTV Podcasts. Also, if this is your first time listening to us, subscribe so that you can get the newest episodes delivered to you. Find us wherever you find your podcasts. If you're curious about the other shows we make at MTV News, you can head to podcast.mtv.com. The Stakes is produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, James T. Green, and Kasia Mihailovich from the MTV Podcast Network. I'm Jamil Smith, and you can find me on Twitter at Jamil Smith. That's it for The Stakes this week. Thanks for listening.